Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 314. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by our amazing sponsor of this podcast, Blueprint MCAT, and one of their fantastic live online instructors. If you haven't checked out the live online course yet, what are you waiting for? Did you also know that Blueprint MCAT has an amazing free account with tons of free resources for you that you can start using today? They have a half-length diagnostic, which I think everyone should take, an amazing full-length exam that we've covered here on the podcast so you can get kind of in-depth discussion about each and every one of those questions, as well as an amazing study planner tool. Head over to blueprintmcat.com today to get access to all of those amazing free resources. Today, we're talking about unleashing your potential by overcoming imposter syndrome. Enjoy. Nor, welcome back to the MCAT podcast. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm really excited. I'm excited too. Uh, last episode, we covered kind of troubled topics. And during that episode, we yeah. talked a little bit about, it sounded like you suffered a little bit of imposter syndrome when going through this fun MCAT journey. Would you yeah. say that was true? Oh, yeah. I don't think it was a little. It was a lot. <laughs> so let's let's define um, for you when when you say you had a lot of imposter syndrome, what did that look like for you going through this? Yeah, I felt like I was not good enough to take the MCAT, that I wouldn't be able to gain the skills that I needed to do well on the exam and that I was just not fit for the task. I was not up to it. Um, and I, I mean, I can talk more about just kind of like the reasons why that, you know, I kind of felt that way, but unfortunately it was a very debilitating thing for a very long time. Yeah. So, so again, let's, let's talk about what exactly for you that looked like. So first foray into MCAT prep for a lot of people is taking a diagnostic. And you mentioned last episode, you landed at a 492, which is a relatively common diagnostic score was that the start of your imposter syndrome or did it start a lot earlier yeah so i'm a non-trad so i graduated from undergrad in 2017 and actually i attempted to take the mcat when i was an undergrad and my imposter syndrome started then and a, a, there's a, me, a myriad of reasons why i did you know i was a pre-med in undergrad so i took all of the uh, you know, pre-med courses that we're expected to take. And, and I did pretty like relatively well, um, thankfully in my courses, but 
when it came to the MCAT studying in my, it was after my junior year, um, during that summer, I had imposter sur- sur- syndrome. <laughs> I was going to say surgery, <laughs> imposter syndrome, not surgery, um, for a few reasons. One, um, and now I look back, I was struggling with ADHD and I didn't know that at that time. I'm someone who got diagnosed last year. So there was something like I was struggling with that and that affected my studying. So I saw other people who would study for like 12 hours in the library and that was not something that I could do. And again, at that time, I didn't know what was going on with my life. And so I was like, okay, I'm not studying like these folks. I'm not advancing as much as I should in my scores. I'm falling behind. I don't feel like I'm going to do well. And I was also, I had many other things going on in life at that time. And so I ended up not taking the exam. I ended up canceling it. And for years after that, I was so scared to go back to the MCAT. I was like, I'm just not good enough. Like I remembered that experience. I wasn't good at studying. I did take a prep course with another company at that time. And I don't think they, you know, taught me the skills I think I really needed to feel confident. Um, And so I was scared for years. When I tell people this was like the boogeyman for me, it truly was. Like, I don't think the actual boogeyman would scare me as much as the MCAT did (laughs) during those years. And in 2021, I think with the support of family and friends and constant reassurance through my wonderful therapist, (laughs) I was finally, I finally got the courage to say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give it another try. And I want to say that my imposter syndrome didn't just disappear, Mm -hmm. right? I don't think it does. Imposter syndrome, especially as a young Muslim, visibly Muslim woman in America, like it's something that I've always experienced in higher institutions. And so it just didn't go away. But I think I was a lot more effective at tackling it this time in, first of all, having a really good support system of people who provided me encouragement and reassurance every step of the way that I was capable of doing this, that and helping me in ensuring like my study schedule was doing good. Also, I again, I was a formal blueprint student. And I just had really like, I think this is one thing I love about blueprint is instructors are so encouraging. No matter where you are, it was a celebration of everything, a celebration that you came to class, a celebration that you had a one point goal increase, a celebration of the fact that you studied for an hour. And that felt very validating because it didn't put us in a box of like, you need to study 12 hours a day. It was like, no, whatever you're doing, you're on this journey and we're here to encourage you. And so I had a healthier mindset I still experienced it. I still had days where I was like, I don't know if I could do this. I don't feel good enough. But I think also after my life experience, after, and I'm not saying anyone who's experiencing imposter syndrome needs to wait five years to take <laughs> the MCAT again. No. Please, I hope that's not the case. And actually, that's why I came back to be an instructor because I don't want people to go through that same experience. I want to be able to help them get to where they are and take this test instead of kind of postponing it for years. And so it's not a great feeling, but there is an end to it and it is possible to get out of it for sure. So, uh, therapy is one thing. Uh, not everyone can afford therapy. What, what are some, some potential thoughts that you have for a student to, 
to start to analyze like are are there struggles due to some self-inflicted wounds here of of self-doubt yeah. and imposter syndrome and they're kind of feeding into this this notion that they're not good at the MCAT. Yeah, I would say like what uh how do you analyze how you talk to yourself? Like mm-hmm. after you get questions wrong or maybe you didn't get that goal increase, what are what's the narrative that you're telling yourself? Are you telling yourself the narrative that you know what, maybe this is what I wanted. This isn't what I wanted, but I'm going to continue. I am capable of doing this. I can do this. Or are you sinking into that spiral of, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm never going to be fit to the task. This is it. Like, that's it. Like, I'm just not smart enough. All of these thoughts. And I'm, you know, unfortunately, it can be such an incessant narrative in your head, like just keeps going and going and going. And so really like in your times of failure, how are you speaking to yourself and how are you moving or not moving forward? And even sometimes in my moments of success, I'd say something like, that's just a fluke. That was just my luck. That's not me. I'm not, maybe I'm not capable. So even when I was succeeding, I was still like, putting conditions on it. And my friends were like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? (laughs) They're like, enjoy your success, like revel in it. And like you were saying, like not everybody can do therapy. So I would say building a really good support system of folks, like when you're feeling down, you can go to and they hype you up. That was, that was key. And I was so much more open about my MCAT struggles this time. I was so much more open about telling people, hey, today's a really stressful day. I need some encouragement. I need you to take me out to ice cream. I need you to like help me with this. Really, and I was so open about it because I was like, this takes a village. That's why when I tell people I scored well, I was like, that's family and friends behind me too. That's just not, that's not just Noor. That's all those people that were so invested in my success. And that's kind of the model that I want for like med school, step one, step two boards and everything else to come because- it can feel so lonely. And if you make it less lonely, hopefully that can also help kind of stave the imposter syndrome. Did you find that you had imposter syndrome in your normal day-to-day life and classes? (laughs) Okay. So, so this is not an MCAT specific thing for you. Yes. I mean, when I was an undergrad, I wouldn't say I had imposter syndrome, but I later on did my master's at Harvard And I definitely had my imposter syndrome rear up there. And I think it's because I was in such a high institution and I was like, I don't even know what to do with this. Like, I don't know how to feel. And later on, I was very fortunate to work at other notable institutions for research. And I still felt that imposter syndrome. And I think for the MCAT, I, so I did this thing and I, and I don't know, maybe other people have a different opinion. But my first time studying, I had this thing where I wrote my goal score on a piece of paper and I would wake up every day and I would see it. Mm. And that was not a good thing because it like haunted me. It was like every time I got away from that, you know, score goal, I would be so upset with myself and I'd have such a bad narrative. And the second time I came to the MCAT, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try my best. I'm going to do what I can. I have like a idea in my head, 
but I'm not like people will tell me, what's your goal score? And I'm like, I would like to do really well. I'd be like, 528. I'm not that. That's the answer. Always 528. <laughs> yeah. 528. <laughs> right from my diagnostic. I want a 528 right from my diagnostic. That's what all we all want, right? Mm-hmm. Like 528 for my diagnostic. But I think that was also something that really helped where I alleviated the pressure of telling myself that I was just going to do the very best I can. But yeah, imposter syndrome did exist in other aspects of my life. And I do think that folks from certain identities can have imposter syndrome oftentimes more because you're already struggling with the fact that you feel like you're in a place where you're not supposed to be like that institution, like wasn't built for you. You don't see people like you succeeding, going further. And so you're already like, what if they, what if they just accepted me because they had pitied me or what if it was just a mistake? I said that to myself for two years at Harvard. I even started saying this to myself about the med school I'm going to. I'm like, (laughs) maybe I was a pity acceptance and people were like, no, yeah, (laughs) it's not a pity acceptance. Right. So I still have imposter syndrome. I do think I have better ways to deal with it. And I think like, I would really tell students who are suffering through this, like you are worthy you're fit to the task, you are capable, smart, um, passionate, and you will get through this and you belong regardless of what institution you're at, whatever you're doing, you belong and you'll be a great doctor. And that's all we can hope for. Do you think part of the, the struggle, as you were talking, I, I talked to lots of students who really struggle on this journey uh, yeah. from a mental health perspective, because it's a oh. super, super long journey. Mm-hmm. And we, for some reason, don't celebrate every single mini victory. It's, mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I'll be happy when uh, I finish med school. I'll be happy when I finish residency. I'll be happy when I become an attending. I'll be happy when I pay off my student loans. I'll be happy when I retire. I'll be happy. Like, <laughs> And then it's like, you're always chasing that next happiness. Like be happy today. Like what's, what's stopping you from being happy today? Do you, do you think there's some correlation there potentially of this imposter syndrome with I'm not supposed to celebrate today. So therefore I'm not going to be excited or happy or uh, content with what I have. Yeah, I I absolutely think that's the case. I think like we are in like really accomplished circles and what's oftentimes celebrated is like people publishing a paper, people getting accepted into schools, graduating, like, but we don't see people necessarily celebrating the little wins. And when we don't see that modeled for us, it's very hard for us to model it for ourselves. Right. So I, and that's something that I still struggle to do we are taught to celebrate the big wins. Right. And, um, I think it's again, not modeled to us to celebrate the fact that we did really well on an exam or that we got our task list done. One thing I'm realizing as an adult is if I finish my to-do list in a day, that is like, I want to throw a party. (laughs) This is amazing. I finished my to-do list. Right. And I think what's important is building that habit for yourself and also having people in your life celebrate you. So sometimes when I'm feeling really down, my friends will be like, Hey, what did you do today? Or in the last couple of days, that's really great. And I'm like, yeah, I did this. Not a big deal. They're like, Nope, it is a big deal. It's awesome. You're doing amazing. And so I think also being surrounded by people who will uplift you and celebrate you at all the things that you think are small, but are not small. They're actually really amazing things. 
is really important. And I do think it can help with imposter syndrome because I think imposter syndrome comes from the fact that we're like, well, I'm not publishing 20 papers every year like that student is, or I'm not like head of this, I don't know, clinic, or I'm not doing that. Right. And we, and I, it's interesting because my therapist will tell me, she's like, Nora, you always set the goal for your happiness farther and farther away. Once upon a time, your goal was like, if I do really well on the MCAT, I'll be happy. And then you move to the goal to like med school, like getting accepted. And now it's like, you keep moving the goal. And she's like, you don't even spend enough time celebrating the wins now, which are so important. And you're right. This journey is so long. And if we don't celebrate these small wins, we're burnout. Burnout's going to happen. Yeah. And burnout's not fun, folks. I've been there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I, I was talking to a student the other day at a conference. Uh, she's a med student mm-hmm. and, and she was just talking about um, just how, how incredibly hard medical school is and how much fun she was having. And I was like, yes, right. Med school <laughs> is hard and it's a ton of fun. Yes. And, and I, not I'm to not invalidate fun. other people's feelings, right? But I don't like the mentality that a lot of students have of like, I'm giving up my 20s for medicine. I'm like, you're not giving up anything. You are going through your 20s. You are doing something very specific that you have set mm-hmm. a goal to do. Yeah. And you are living your life in your 20s. So yeah, yeah it's it's a big perspective shift, I think, that a lot of students oh, can have. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, people can say that I'm going to give up my 30s. <laughs> Yes, for those non-trads out there, 30s, 40s, 50s even. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's also what I, coming into this as a non-trad, I already have a lot of different aspects of my life built up. Mm -hmm. So med school is not my personality. It's not. It's not going to be, I don't know, maybe like my professors might hear this eventually and they're like, what are you talking about? Should be your life. But like, it's not, it's not going to like, I'm not going to be holed up studying all day. I have other interests. There are other things that I'm passionate about. My, my personality is not going to be a medical student. My personality is who I am and what I've built so far in my life. And I think when you come in with that perspective where you're like, medical school's hard, but I have other passions, whether it's sports, whether it's creative writing, whether it's consulting, whatever it is, something that's like not even medical related that you're so passionate about, don't put that on hold because you're in medical school. Don't do that. Like, those things are so important to who you are and they can actually make medical school more bearable. And because you're like, yeah, like this is my spite. This is the, the, the time where like I shine, where I feel like I can step away from all of that. And I, I truly believe that the people who go through med school, the healthiest, I mean, that's subjective, but are people who don't see it as the end all be all. And it's not, medicine is not your end all be all. We can be so passionate about it. And I love that, but it is not my life. And it shouldn't be anyone's entire life because we're so much more than just medicine. We're so much more than studying and producing. We're like amazing human beings. And it's just like really important to remember that. And even when you're studying for the MCAT, that's important. Right. Like we even tell students now at Blueprint, like, yes, like study, have a good schedule, but please have at least one day a week where you're not doing anything MCAT related. Have like, pro- like reward yourself. You did a cars passage. I don't care. Go buy a croissant. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is. Seriously. I tell people prizes, prize every single time you finished a full length. I don't care if you didn't get the score you wanted. You finished a full length. Go pri- like reward yourself. Celebrate these moments. And then also don't make it your entire life. 
make sure you continue to have a life, whether it's outside of the MCAT or outside of med school. All right, there you have it. Hopefully that was a great episode. Imposter syndrome is something that I don't think ever goes away. Uh, We just learn to deal with it. We learn to recognize it. And hopefully we learn to overcome it as best as we can in the moment. Again, I don't think it ever goes away, but hopefully we can overcome it in the moment. Don't forget to check out blueprintmcat.com. Sign up for their amazing free account today. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.